You are listening to the Mary Jane Society podcast, where you will meet entrepreneurs, cultivators, scientists, doctors, and inventors in the cannabis industry. I'm your host, Pam Schmiel, marketer and publicist in the cannabis industry. Activism, cannabis, and the queer culture are at the heart of New York City's Flamer pre-roll brand. Co-founders Wyatt, Matias, and Khalil met through New York City's gay community and discovered they shared a passion for activism during their involvement with the Black Lives Matter movement during COVID-19. Flamer is a brand built out of authenticity and is influenced by the trios experienced in the New York queer community. When marketers talk about the benefits of branding from authenticity, this is what they mean. Let's meet the team from Flamer. Hi, Pam. Hey, Dean. Hi, Mateus. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, guys, for joining me. Appreciate it. And I'm super, I've been actually really excited to kind of dig in to Flamer and, you know, talk about your brand and all that kind of stuff. So pretty excited. So um, I know that you have three uh, partners in the company. And um, I just mm -hmm. thought maybe if we could just start with letting, you know, the audience know, um, you know, what Flamer is, like, what is what is the elevator pitch? What is, you know, who are you guys? How did you, how did you, how did you come together to start this brand? You know, just a little background on, on who you all are. All right, great. So I would say, so I think the biggest misconception with what we're trying to do, and this is something that I found in life, is that I want to say Americans in particular like to kind of label everything as a business, as a brand, as something like that. And the reality is that we started as friends, just smoking, friends hanging out. And we started kind of realizing like, oh, there's a community of us. There's a bunch of people that also share the same interests, whether it's fashion, culture, music, activism. And it all started when Wyatt and I used to um, be part of this activist group. Uh, I then met Khalil because after there's like a big sort of jump, but um, during 2020, the activist group kind of dissolved naturally since things were not, you know, people were not meeting. And then when Black Lives Matter happened, uh, Wyatt texted me, he's like, we need to do something. And I was like, what do we do? And then um, you can get yeah. it from there. I actually think I called you on the back of a moped. Um, and I was like on a moped, like with Khalil. Um, and uh, and like we we ended up like putting up a we cut down like the corporate pride banners um, at Stonewall. And we put up um, a protest or a, a banner that said Pride is a Riot. And that was actually the first time that um Khalil Matias and I did something together um mm -hmm. and so that banner kind of became the backdrop um for a lot of organizing and like um a lot of just like um community you know uh, events and so actually like a couple of days after that uh Khalil left for California um and he drove across the country to start um working on cannabis farms he had already had farm experience before but um started doing that like kind of full time. Um, and he moved out to Humboldt County, California, which as we all know, is like the center of cannabis growing here in the the States. And he worked for a guy who had like, you know, 20 plus years experience and was able just to like learn really quickly and to get connected to the um, community that way. And then um, he, uh, yeah, so he ended up like managing um, like, uh, five farms after that um and that's kind of how like Matias and I got connected to the cannabis like world, world really you like know like we shape. we always smoked together but like that was where we got connected to like the cannabis kind of like the business of cannabis in some ways right um the growing of it and and that kind of stuff and um at the time I was working at BuzzFeed um and I like relaunched BuzzFeed LGBTQ um and I realized there was a disconnect between the um amount of just like community interest and community buy-in um and the willingness on on the part of like a corporation to to tap into that potential right like there's a lot of different priorities at any given time and it just wasn't a priority and you know I saw the potential um with the the queer community and that's how Matias and I you know know each other is through queer activism um and so kind of we we all put it together like um yeah. as, I think I think what's what was kind of magical about it all is that uh excuse the dog uh she's 
in the background. Uh, so the magic of it all was that the three of us were thinking about it at the same time without ever saying anything. So Wyatt had this business knowledge sort of um, cooking. Um, I was working for an artist. Um, I had studied sort of something along the lines of marketing and branding, but never used it just because I couldn't find employment in the field, ended up getting into the arts just because I needed a job stuck through that job uh, during the pandemic, which unheard of. <laughs> um, so that kind of helped my calling within sort of the arts. And at the time I was working for this photographer who during these um, protests that Wyatt and I, and well, Khalil was gone at the time, but we were attending and he told me to pick up a camera and to document. He's like, history is, he's like, we've never seen New York covered up since, you know, decades. Uh, I'm talking about like COVID when they had the boards uh, all in the windows. Oh. Um, we hadn't seen this of that scale. So he's like, please document it because you won't like, you know, and, and he had yeah. a big sort of historical background. And well, that's what I did. And then slowly as people began sort of migrating back into the city, I used to take pictures of any friend I would see, I don't know, document it. And that's kind of how I got into nightlife photography, kind of by accident. Uh, more than anything is that because bars were closed, um, a lot of congregation spaces were closed. And the question became, like, where does the queer community meet? Uh, since so much of our culture is not necessarily dependent, but tied to bars, to nightlife, to clubs, drag um, events, drag, um, what is it, like, you know, lip syncs and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So people start hanging out in parks and a lot of, um, you know, people were six feet apart wearing their face masks, but outside. And there's a big culture of inclusivity uh, during this. This was a time in which, you know, wealthy folks skipped to their upstate homes. A lot of times, like the sort of students went back home. Uh, tourists were not in town. So the people that did remain were people that did call New York home, that that, that was their only home. And seeing these people sort of at every single event, that's kind of what created this very authentic sort of New York, I don't know, life that I don't think I've seen ever since. Like, I think we went back to normalcy a bit too quick, but that was what was so beautiful about that time is that so much of it was connection. So much of that was connection through cannabis. Yeah. And um, that was also, I think, the, the year that cannabis got legalized or decriminalized. So a lot of times at parks, uh, you'd see people smoke and that's kind of how we began to sort of think out loud. And after a protest, Wyatt and I thought, hey, what if we start a weed brand? And I think, I don't know if Wyatt said it, he's like, I was just in a farm or yeah. so something happened. And then- Well, I was just coming back from harvest in California and, um, and with Khalil. So I was like on Khalil's farm, like helping harvest and- during that harvest, Khalil was like, you need to quit your job. Like, we need to be working in cannabis, like, full time. Like, you need to, like, you, you need Why? to like, think about it. seriously. And I landed, and literally, I'm not even kidding, like, an hour after I landed back in New York, I get a text from Matias, and he's like, I actually want to start something. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, that and that was like Thursday. I know. And then we met on, like, Sunday, and we had this just, like, kind there of... There was a protest. I think it was for intersex rides. Yes. And it was in near Central Park. We went to Central Park. Yeah. And we walked. We walked all the way to, I think, Washington Square. Yeah. And then we ended up in the Lower East Side. Yeah. Uh, just talking, smoking. Oh, yeah. And oh. that's when we came up with the name Flamer, the sort of... Well, the backstory on the Flamer, we we actually Googled gay slurs. Um, and... Wait, what did you Google? We googled oh, gay slurs. Yeah. Oh, oh. And then because <laughs> oh, flamer used to be it used to be derogatory like back in the day. A little bit. You know, I mean so people yeah. had their own connotation. But yeah, it came up as one of them. And we I like we saw it and we we both like oh, that's it. Like that's that's it. Cause it's it's a term that like we don't really use that much these days. But um I mean there was like different uh elements to it. I mean one flamer flames, fire, yeah. smoke, you know, all those kind of oh, words sure. are associated yeah. with but On the other hand of things, it meant flamboyant, and flamboyant was never necessarily gay. It just meant, like, over the top, kind of, it's the same innuendo, sort of like, oh, he's a friend of the arts, he's an artist, you know? Yeah, yeah, so we yeah, wanted to yeah, yeah right. Queerness in that sense. And exactly, and the reason why we chose the color red, I mean, it's a sexy color, Yeah. Um, but the, the main reason is that in queer history, we've always had to have these sort of signifiers, these codes, the sort of ways of functioning within the greater society without having to fully out ourselves. So back in the day, it was the handkerchief. Uh, some people claim it was the piercing on a certain ear. There's always been like something that 
gay men have done to sort of signal to only the people that know the code, hey, I am gay, I am queer, I'm bisexual, whatever it may mean. But that was kind of the code of the day. And nowadays, we don't necessarily need the code. I think a lot of that has been lost, and most mm. people can be out and about openly. But this is where we came in, and with the brand, or once again, it was it started as like a just a, an escape to sort of pursue our own passions, but more than anything, to create this community. And we thought about if you belong to this community, yeah. you need to, you know, there needs belong. to be a you know, there, there has to be yeah. a code. Yeah. And it's so that, yeah. in the last couple of uh, weeks that people tell me sort of like, oh my God, I saw someone smoking the Red J and I asked about it. Like, do you know Matias? And then they're like, yeah, 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 I do. And it became this thing in which like all of her friends kind of happened to know. And that's kind of where... Once again, we didn't like to think about it as a brand per se. It was more about the fact that we knew a lot of people. They all happened to smoke. And we're like, hey, if we create a product for these people, we can just, you know, be be the cool kids in the block uh, in yeah. some some regard. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, but that's I, that's the ethos behind like the red joint, like um, which is which is what Flamer's main product is right now on the market is is that red J. Um, so yeah, that's the, we love the idea of like people connecting over you know the color and like seeing each other out and like knowing that they're part of the flamer community and then in terms of so i think because why and i had this background in activism so much of it is tied to history uh because i was documented documenting a lot of the protest i became in love with sort of uh photographic history sort of uh photojournalism and whatnot so much of the brand has been rooted in sort of um history sort of historical facts uh, my own interest is a photojournalist or photo documentary style photographer and the thing with um what we think and we see about sort of the waves of sort of queer theory right now is that there is this one uh, book called Queer Utopia, and it talks about queerness being of the future, inherently of the future, meaning that what was queer back in the day, maybe it's not queer today. And we think about this like two men holding hands that used to be very queer, that used to be wrong, that used to be, you know, shocking. Today we see gay men kissing on the big screen. You know, it's not the big deal. There's gay men on magazines. So then the question becomes, what's queer now? Uh, and with the context of, say, U.S. politics, what's queer now is, for instance, like the non-binarism. What's queer now is maybe, uh, I don't know, the highlighting of trans rights and sort of trans culture. And so much of what Flamer is, is sort of acknowledging this history that keeps evolving. And when we think about the people, because at the end of the day, once again, we had to kind of put all this in frames of business to talk to people. Mm -hmm. um, so then the target market became this thing in which it was not necessarily about appealing to the queer community, to the LGBTQ community. It was more about artists, uh, friends of the arts, people that usually kind of, you know, counterculture, people yeah. that go against the grain. And within that, there's, for instance, a lot of my friends that happen to be straight and I don't know, they're tattoo artists and I don't know, one of them might be a stripper and then their parents are still mad at them the same way that my parents were mad at me when I first came out. Um, were what? And it's one of like huh what did you say your parents were what M meta uh mad at me for coming out not mad at okay. me but sort of yeah yeah initially coming out like latino parents <laughs> yeah oh. but in any case so but i i think on that point like we yeah. see so flamer is you know we are all queer like it's queer founded right so the founders were, were all queer actually even our farmer is also queer as well um and um so it, it's very much a part of our our dna but the way that we see like the future is there is this movement towards um labels like melting away right people want to be able to be themselves without necessarily feeling boxed in by one particular like you know um identifier right like they just want to be themselves and be able to like fully express themselves in, in whatever way that comes and I think the ethos behind flamer is like is exactly that like it's about self-expression like self-liberation like it's about being able to be who you are like regardless of what the larger culture like wants to put you into and categorize you as and I think that applies and appeals to like a lot of different kinds of people you know like when we like all of we've we've now done a couple of bigger like public events right like we had a big 420 picnic at um, Washington Square Park we had um, a big party in Brooklyn which was the first party with like legal cannabis sales at it and all of those events like had like every different kind of person right like we literally had like our finance friends that worked at Goldman Sachs who are you know like 
quote unquote straight, but they also are like very into music and like, you know, like don't necessarily feel like they fit in a mold, you know? And then we also had our, um, like, you know, all, all, all sorts of type, different types of like queer friends, like a lot of like trans people, like a lot of like non-binary people. So it's like this community that we're creating is like incredibly inclusive of everyone and, um, and speaks to a lot of different types of people and like all different kinds of walks of life. Um, and I think that's the kind of community that we are trying to foster is like, um, is that freedom for self-expression. And I, I think this is also- it. I love it. Yeah. Fantastic. It's almost like Flamer is blossoming from the queer community that will mm. right come out and then bring everyone else in who like is attracted to the flame. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> and um, you know, embrace that or is looking for some way to, like you said, it, it, um, express themselves and not be intimidated and feel inclusive. Oh, that's really fantastic. That's a great forward futuristic thinking way of of how flamer could be represented but also i wanted to say it's i think you're the first brand in new york state that is really kind of wrapping itself or 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 coming out of a specific community you know mm -hmm. so I, I think that's really exciting so yeah who is the demographic like right now are you attract that you're attracting is it just kind of the young nightclub kind of kids or are you are you starting to bring in the older community? Because each generation had its own, you know, sufferings, its own stories, and grounded in really deep relationships and really deep friendships in which people already went through it all. They've seen ugly, especially if you're talking about New York in the 80s, you know, uh, with the AIDS yeah. epidemic. So there was a gap of, you know, the lost generation. And within the queer community, older queer folks feel this need to mentor or to kind of close the gap and to educate sort of the younger queer folks about our history our sort of you know how, how the fact that our rights today are very much the result of their own fight and there is this thing and not necessarily just in the queer world but sort of ageism there's this sort of big divide about romanticizing and sort of idolizing the youth and you know we kind of forget about our older folks and the older folks for instance in my life are the ones that have helped me the most and in that sense, I will say that in the artist world, these older folks don't age, like their spirits are as young as mine and even younger. It's people that will still not take themselves seriously. It's still people that will, you know, party on a Tuesday, but at the same time, read a book on a Wednesday. I don't know. It's people that do see that life is short and has a lot to offer so it's people that have not yet let themselves sort of be stopped by this expectations of what mm -hmm. aging may look like and this is kind of what flamer once again has become is that it does of course appeal to a younger sort of 21 plus audience just because of you know the industry and the sort of fashion of it all but then there's a lot of people that understand and live to the idea of codes back to where we're talking about the handkerchief system so a lot of people understand what we're doing and as such they still smoke cannabis so they kind of see this as a kind of you know revival of their youth and in that way they want to be part of it as well um and that's the thing is that a lot of that that's what time gives you in this world it's more friendship more connections more sort of power in, yeah. in this world and this is something that I think it's understated but queer people do kind of run the world in because being queer does not really mean much in terms of you know there's that cross-sectional part of our identities so it's funny to see that there's queer people that are you know editors and magazines some of them are journalists some of them are musicians some, some and... of them are running dispensaries in New York you know exactly. like literally like so that's what's helped us is that it's people that have seen our story it resonates with their own sort of entrepreneurial past or their own stories and the thing is that we happen to be at the right time at the right place and these people see that for what it is and yeah. that's why we've gotten the help that we've gotten is because once again this is I think Flamer is truly rooted in friendship and community and not necessarily in profit which is what I think other brands you know marijuana was supposed to be this cash cow and people act as such you know and I think that authenticity does show through I think yeah yeah, yeah I do think we no go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I was just saying I do think we it, we do end up skewing a little younger uh just in terms of the visuals and the aesthetic and like you know who we 
do and it is i mean like to be like to be clear like this is very much like an outgrowth of the community that we come from you know which is that like downtown like artist scene it is like the queer activism scene it is like the fashion scene like it's it's all of these different you know like kind of cultures that make new york what it is um and that's that's exactly like that's who we are that's the lives that we've been living for the past you know like almost 10 years and so um yeah like it's it, like that that's exactly who we are and i think people see that and like recognize that authenticity and like see themselves as a part of that um project right and and also you know for someone like me kind of on the outside i you know it's very insightful to hear about the older community and the mentoring i never would have thought about that but it completely makes sense and that's a that's seems like a very important part of of the community um so that yeah. that's very i think that's very interesting but also I think for the benefit of the brand, I think that you have, a, a, you know, as a, a, the, the queer community, as opposed to say that tattoo community, right? People who are into the tattoo community, there's going to be a stronger um, loyalty and probably willingness to stand behind you and support you and push the brand because it's a, it's a community that has suffered you know, and that, that mm -hmm. the camaraderie of, of getting to where, you know, the movement is today or the acceptance is, you know, it's been a long, obviously a long, long, terrible journey. Yeah. So I'm sure there's a lot of that in this community and building your brand and as well. Those like those, those movements, you know, for, for queer rights and then for, for cannabis legalization and medicalization, like those actually have a ton of overlap like and those were very much like parallel um like movements and and, and still are today like they the queer community has always had a special relationship to cannabis right like when you look at the the people that pioneered the medicalization of cannabis it was people that were directly responding to the aids crisis right like it was people like um mary brownie right uh or um mary, mary jane yeah mary yeah and brownie. like brownie mary, mary yeah mary. and like oh. in california who baked who she popularized like the pop brownie and um like because she would bake brownies and bring them to the AIDS wards, you know, and like um the Dennis Perone, like the person that like led the actual like effort to get it on the ballot in California was a queer man and was coming directly in response to his experience with his partner um passing away from AIDS, you know, and like um and so it's like the people that have like led this movement, especially the medicalization of it, are in a lot of are are like deeply tied to the queer community. Um, and I think queer people like have always kind of had this relationship, right? Like it's you know, um, our friends at Drew Martin, um, which is a, a brand out in California. Drew said like um on this panel we were at, which I absolutely love. It's like queerness is counterculture. Cannabis is counterculture. You know, like and so they have always had this like deep relationship, and that's why queer people smoke you know, a lot more than um, non-queer people. It's because like of that special relationship and, um, you know, and potentially because of the trauma, but like, um, you know, uh, well, like- That's we, the reason. Uh, I mean- Yeah, and like, we on, have that- we use it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, and so that's, that's like, we're coming out of that history, you know? Like we are not, we're not something like new in some ways. Like we're, we're something that's like tapping into the- to the old, to the history of this, um, of this plan and of, of like the movements in general. Right. And I know when we met the other day at the business of cannabis event in, in New York, you were saying, and I had never heard this before that, um, uh, the, the queer community is two times more likely to smoke pot or smoke more than mm -hmm. like non, non queer community, which I thought was kind of, that's a pretty big two times more it, that's, that's pretty big it is and it's actually it's 2.5 times more um and this is like from a study in, in colorado um like yeah, a, in new was, york <laughs> yeah well and i and i think like i mean new york like we have a very like we're a population center for queer people right because we are a beacon of you know acceptance and of hope and um of community right like i mean there's a reason why queer people flock to new york it's because like New York has been accepting of us and has has created space for us to thrive and we are thriving here you know and like um because of that our population is actually like larger here in New York you know than most other places and so it's like when you think about it I mean numbers you know like are like it, it like people I, I mean you know it could be 
like people don't have like very set numbers of like what's the percentage of queer people for the overall population because it's not a demographic question you often ask you have to like specifically look after it but like right. you know there's been studies that say like up to 10% maybe even more of the population in New York is identifies as queer right so if you take that like and they're yeah. also 2.5 times more likely that could be like 20 to 25% of the cannabis market in New York which is a very sizable <laughs> demographic you know what I mean like that's huge that's, I mean, yeah. there's eight and a half million people here. That's like, that's pretty, yeah. that should be in your pitch deck. <laughs> yeah, that should it be is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Oh my yeah. God, that's oh. really amazing. Okay, so let's, I guess as we just kind of wind it down, I would love to just, you know, touch base on some business aspects, but it was yeah. really about the community and all this stuff that we've been talking about that I think is kind of the most important part of your business and its growth in the future. So um, I think it's pretty exciting and stands out, you know, against other brands. I don't think there's any other brand that's really has this message that has come out in New York yet. Do you have any competition that's leaning into the queer community at all? Not like, not directly, but I mean, honestly, we don't even see it as competition necessarily if even if there were people like for us like we we find collaborators like um versus like competition and i think especially in in the new york market you know as it's we are in the licensed new york market right like um and we we made that decision and are are purposely bought into this program because we believe in safe legal tested cannabis and we believe in the long-term potential of giving back um to disproportionately affected communities um you know we 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 want to support this legal market because we believe in the the vision for what this could become for new york um and i think like um because of that like we you know like we're building it you know, it's so it's it's small right now. Like I I like, you know, you look at the market and it's like um it's just the tip of the iceberg for what it can be. And I think, you know, when I look around and I see the people that are working in this market, I see fellow builders. Like, you know, I don't see people that are gonna be my like competition. I see the people that are like laying the foundation for what this market will become. Um and so for us, like we we always like what we're what we're gonna do, what we're gonna bring, like it's gonna be different. Like, I mean, we're we're gonna be like we're gonna have our own edge to it, like. I'm not worried about someone doing exactly what we're doing because like, I mean, you could try, but like, that's not like, that's not authentic to you. You Like this is coming out of us and like, we're, we're happy to flourish in our own lane um, and don't believe in like that kind of, uh, you know, it's either us or them. Like we're like, Oh, why not all of us? Um, And so there's a lot of brands in the market that I think like have that share that vision and like are wanting to collaborate and like wanting to grow together. And I think, you know, um, definitely have that that potential to do so and um you know for us like it's not like with any product like you don't just like smoke one brand period and that's like it you know what I mean like it's like you you do kind of you try this you try that and then you come back to the thing that you like you come back to the thing that you identify with like but it's not it's not just this like you you know it's not like we're we would capture a consumer for forever so like to me, there's always space for people to experiment and to like try other things and for that to be like perfectly okay and like great for our business. What is your approach to uh, strains or, you know, coming out with future product? What is, what is the most, actually, what is the most um, preferred consumption uh, method uh, in the queer community? Yeah, so, okay, strains and, and stuff like that. Like, l- l- let's try about that real quick. So Khalil would definitely be the person to, to talk to. He is our connection to the plant and um, and, and that, that kind of stuff. But I think just, you know, at a, at a larger level, like we, we very much believe in working with partners that share our vision for what the, you know, what, what a regenerative, what a like um, positive, what like, what kind of like just business fundamentals you're you're building and so we we look for partners in our farms that also like share that vision it's like you know people that have organic farming practices people that believe in like you know using and growing the soil um that they um that they live on and they they cultivate and they create like an environment around the plant that um allows it to be healthy and allows it to thrive um and so Khalil like he he works very closely with um the farmers that we work with and he's the one that's like sourcing the product um and it's it's very much a collaborative effort right like um as the um as our farmers like 
thought about what seeds they were going to grow for this past season. Like um, we were working with them to like think about what kind of seeds um, would be good for, you know, what we want to bring to market. And then also to, um, you know, have as like a, like just kind of a support for our farmers um, to, to grow. And then we're looking, you know, as we expand, like we're looking to work with like more small farmers, right? Like we believe in like the way that the New York market has been set up, which has been to um, allow for these like family farms to to grow and to um, to thrive into like, you know, in a lot of cases like family business. And so we want to support that system. And there's some really excellent growers out there that like absolutely are growing like some really killer weed and they just don't have like a way necessarily to like bring it to market and and so we're that conduit for them right like we're coming in we have like the packaging we have the branding but we want to find that like craft flower that's like you know that is the quality that our community deserves and yeah and the other thing with sort of like the product mix more from like a marketing and sort of you know product standpoint is that there's this thing called the paradox of choice and I fight it every time I go into a store, I can't choose. Oh. When I go get tea, <laughs> there's way too many teas. I just want chamomile and there's five different brands and they all advertise different things. And that's kind of where I think we came in with just a simple product line just to get started. It was uh, for us anytime and silly goofy. Uh, it was two blends actually. And it was just to make it easier on the consumer. Like here's A, here's B what resonates the best you let us know and we want to keep like a tighter sort of product mix for the same reason to not necessarily overwhelm people i'm sure you've gone to a dispensary and there's way too much going on mm -hmm. and that's, that's sort of our duty once again as a background in the arts so much of the arts is smoking for sparking creativity for focusing for working uh there's many different ways people use the plant and I think that a big sort of call for us was to sort of source the the flower. And that's where we came up with the mixes in which we said, this one makes me feel way more creative. This one makes me feel way more talkative. This one makes me feel more sleepy. So we kind of like, that's how we started thinking about what we want to do. Because at the end of the day, I wanted to, you know, have a, like a product that I would smoke myself every mm -hmm. single day. Of course. And that's kind of what we, I mean, we could have gone more into, for instance, like the sleepy time cannabis market and have gummies and that. But at the end of the day, in that life, you don't want to be sleepy. You yeah. want to be partying. <laughs> <That's right. You laughs> wanna... And also, right. I, and and in, in nightlife, and I think like, you know, the pro, like after protests, it's like we we smoke. Like, that's what we do. You asked about like what queer people like prefer and, and stuff like that. And I mean, honestly, I would love more data on it and we will find out over time, you know, like what exactly queer people like. But we know from our personal experience that like the connections that we want to foster is the sharing of a joint. Like, that's what we love. Like that, that's like, so yeah, the community, you know, yeah. like that's tribal exactly, like, thing of, and like eventually over time, like we want to meet people where we're at. We are not prescriptive at all in terms of how people consume like you should consume whatever is like the best way for you and so if that's edibles if that's like you know vapes or if that's like flower like that you prefer like we would love eventually to be able to like offer you know that kind of line um to our people so that they can they can do what feels right for them and, and I have yeah it'll take some time to go with that but yeah well like that's that's the vision is like we want to meet people where they're at and I have two other things to say one of which is once again, queer people or like generally anyone doesn't want to be kind of labeled or boxed in into anything. And that's why we find it sort of difficult to say like, hey, most queer people smoke, say, J's versus a bong because you can't make that assumption because, you know, everyone chooses to dress a different kind of way. And you can't say like all queer people wear X shoes. Yeah, you know? right, X right. Of course, of course. And yeah, we will say, though, and this is like my other point, And this is something that was like a direct reaction to the pandemic in which I mean, you couldn't have that social connection. You couldn't really share a J because you couldn't, you know, you, you yeah. could have been in the same space. You could have been six feet apart, but you couldn't reach out to share the J. And the entire sort of culture behind cannabis is a puff, puff, pass. Mm -hmm. And I think our kind of like flamer came out as a reaction to that sort of not having it and then realizing, hey, it was true that, you know, at a night out, there was a group of people smoking and you just bring a J, it gets finished yeah. by the end of the circle. And that's kind of how I liked it. So the bigger the circle, the bigger, you know, like the better the, yeah. the atmosphere. And I think the J is also another one of these sort of 
you know, icebreakers of yeah, sorts. Of like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, hey, do you have a lighter? Hey, mm-hmm. I mean, some I know for a fact a lot of my friends use the flamer jade to flirt. You're like, hey, you got a lighter, and then they pull the red J. It's like, oh, do you smoke too? That's another commercial. Remember, got milk? You smoke? Yes, yes. like smoke. What? Billboard. <laughs> I see a billboard. Oh my god. Oh my god. We're brainstorming. Um, exactly. <laughs> oh How about your marketing strategy? Are you? Uh, what is your basic marketing strategy? I feel like it's it's kind of more experiential, and in instead of mm. your basic, I mean. You know, and you're so restricted here in New York, you, you can't even sell off your website. And I guess, how are you working with the dispensaries? Like, what is your kind of main marketing tactic that seems to be really working for you? Yeah, so I think for us, like, it is, we we put a very much a, a primary on relationships um, and especially our relationships with the dispensaries um, and like what we can do to help cultivate those relationships and to to make those connections. Like, I think... You know, we're we're in, I think, what is it, like 16, 18 dispensaries now um, out of the 30 in New York. And and that's a pretty good rate compared to other brands in the New York market. And I think the reason is, is because these dispensaries, like, one, we put in the time, like, we we go visit, we, like, you know, we we try to make that personalized connection because, like, to us, it's it's so important um, to, to be able to know who we're working with and, like, if they kind of understand what we're doing and, like, you know, can can yeah. see the them working with us and and then you know it's also about that relationship like with the bud tender right so like we always try to find you know at these dispensaries like the bud tenders that like flamer really speaks to um and like you know bring them into the flamer fold in some ways right like um if they see themselves as a part of this community then like we want to open up all those doors you know for them to be a part of that community um and so like that looks like, you know, the trainings um, that we do at the dispensaries, like making those connections. But like for us, it is really important for that relationship to the dispensaries in terms of our like marketing and like just like getting the word out there. Like if those dispensaries are not bought into what we're doing, then like that's kind of you don't have distribution, you know, like that's like that's to me, that's the number one thing is like, what's that relationship look like with the dispensaries? And then how do you continue to like cultivate it? And how do you continue to like increase your brand exposure within those dispensaries? And and what does that look like for us? It looks like building those relationships um, with, you know, both the, the management teams at the dispensaries and then also the bud tenders. Um, but also like we have ideas in the future of like, how we can do that even more like we've done a couple of events like with dispensaries already um for like pride this past year we did something with housing works we did something at um another dispensary in brooklyn um you know, for um, like a pregame kind of thing um and so we want to be able to like bring our community directly to um those dispensaries we did like a dispensary crawl, crawl with our community um where we brought everyone to like around to the dispensaries so like oh. that we feel like yeah there's kind of and you're right experiential right like bringing people into it so there's like that aspect of it right which is like the connection to the dispensary whether that's like you know our personal connection or it's like through you know events or like bringing our community that's outside the dispensary to the dispensary and, and connecting them to our community the other aspect of it is like that just like kind of broader brand awareness amongst consumers and and I think we're we're still figuring out exactly how that looks but like for us we have done a couple of those events that have been you know super just rewarding and like I think people are really hungry for the ability now that we can do it like we can connect legally around cannabis like there's a lot of you know desire to like build that out like a lot of people don't want to just be drinking alcohol you know like alcohol like people realize how how toxic it is how bad it makes them feel like they want to have easier access to cannabis and then to be able to create that community. So we're definitely looking for those opportunities to to do events like related to that. And then also like, it doesn't necessarily like the, the ethos behind Flamer is all about collaboration. So it doesn't have to be our events either, you know? So it's like tonight there's a, a gala for creative time, which is like one of the foremost public arts institutions um, in New York. They created like the lights um, for the 9-11 Memorial and did a couple of other things um and we're like sponsoring their gala right so um we're gonna be like there at the gala like you know just kind of showing face and like supporting those artists right that they're honoring um so like that's like kind of another way of like finding those right partners um that are have already built communities that we can you know bring the cannabis essentially like 
aspect to those communities that already have that relationship um, and like help be a conduit for that. And for instance, like for the gala, uh, they're honoring uh, the New Red Order, which is this indigenous collective of artists that currently have an exhibition, I think in Queens. Yeah. And once again, it's people that one of the organizers of this whole project uh, told us like they're big stoners, they're gonna love you all. Yeah. And it kind of speaks to once again, they're all straight, but they fall under the well, I think so, I don't know, but they fall under the sort of like realm of queer within sort of the arts, sort of the artist friends, the people that once again, I think this is something that and I think it speaks towards sort of like word of mouth generally speaking okay. i think that's kind of how you just call our strategies that we want to just be authentic and let the people speak for themselves and that's kind of how we've gotten a bunch of these connections is people that say like hey my friend is organizing this blank uh do you think you could help them in some sort of capacity and that kind of was what happened with the gala and then the people that are going to be there a lot of ones we assume are going to be people that are interested in the mission that we have to offer so do the I. marketing strategy at the, end of the, at the end of day is very limited because new york has a lot of restrictions i think not sure if more than most other states but yeah. it's tough this is the challenge for me since i do a lot of the sort of visuals is how do you kind of push your identity your brand your sort of everything with out sort of you know with, with the regulations in mind but at the same time how can you be you know how can you push the edge of sort of culture at the end of the day sort of how can you create imagery that's relevant that's not you know because I think also with social media and this is sort of something that we've experienced is that a lot of platforms do ban cannabis content a lot of them have uh shadow bans a lot of them will take accounts down yeah but it, it's kind of the thing is that we have this sort of advantage in which we're already forced to think creatively when you don't have the biggest budgets and that's sort of my life as an artist it's always been how yeah. can i you know just make it with what i have mm -hmm. and that helps you once again to just not be wasteful and i think it's back to sort of these ideas that we're trying to cultivate of just being resourceful and for instance i, I think one good sort of strategy that i think has worked and is super simple is just giving our friends stickers and giving them missions be like hey friend put these stickers in blank well we would never tell someone to put stickers we don't that. tell them yeah we give them stickers i'm like have fun, <laughs> have fun. so <laughs> no 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 the good one is djs so djs bring their yeah. laptop places and they put the stickers on their laptops and whenever they go play people oh. see a sticker on their laptop does that make sense and then yeah. we just give them like give them to your friends yeah and that's kind of the beauty of sort of the the sort of yeah. what i'm saying like the, the missions be like hey put in your skateboard so then when they go out and then they skate people are like wait what's that and yeah. that's kind of how we're presented. it's sort of once again because people are so you know they identify with the brand that's kind of why they would put their stickers and not say walmart or target or i don't know a different sort of brand is because they want to be known for the community for what it is and then it's happened that two people have the same scape like the same sticker on their own laptops and like oh you are friends with these folks and it's like yeah, yeah. i know them yeah but um, of course you have to build a cool brand before someone wants to put a sticker on their computer but that's where you're going <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, or at coffee um, shops, some creatives are working. You see the laptops, like yeah. that. That's kind of how we think about it. Yeah, pretty cool, actually. Mm -hmm. If you like, if you can, if you have something cool enough that you can, that people want to do, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I guess let's just wind this out. Wow, I think it's so amazing. You know, you know how everybody in marketing, when they're talking about, oh, to be successful in marketing, you have to uh, be authentic about your brand. Be authentic. Be authentic. That's how you're going to get across. You guys have no problem because you are just, it is authentic. It's hardcore yeah. authentic what you're doing. And not only that, as now I see how, again, you're going to blossom out of the queer community, but you're going to really grab on to the um, activist groups, uh, you know, yeah. that's a that's a big part of who you are and the authentic authenticity as well. So I think you've got, you have some great um great times ahead of you but so I thought maybe the last question would be yeah what is your what is your what are your plans for building uh brand neck national brand recognition which I would imagine is just an extension of what you're doing now and kind of rippling across the country but um 
how about for invest investors? Are you are you looking for investors? And and what would what what is your pitch to them as far as what you would want to do with the money and your growth? Yeah, so we we're very focused on New York. Um, I will say right now, like I think we we just we see our community as New York. Flamer is a is a New York brand. Like we 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 literally come out of the subways. You know, like we're yeah. like. And like uh, you mentioned yeah, before, you have, the, I didn't even think, of course, didn't think about this, but I, I can't believe the the market share that you have here that you could tap yeah, into. Exactly. So, of course, this should be your base. Yeah. And we we want to be like, Matias has this line like where it's like, you you come to New York and you get your, you get oh, yeah. your pizza Wait, I slice. Say, yeah. I want to say, so <laughs> you come to New York and you have a bucket list. You want to see your first rat and you want to get a pizza slice and you want to get your like flamer J and that's sort of the New York experience we want sort of anyone that comes visit to have is to once again, come have the New York staple. Like you go to California to have in and out you come to New York to have flavor. That's kind of what yeah. we want to do for the time being, you know? Yeah. Um, and then once we once we build that, like, uh, I mean, once we are, like, known as that New York brand, then New York, we we do have the privilege of being in New York, which is um, the cultural capital of the United States. And we, we export via media, via, like, fashion, via all these different types of industries that are headquartered here in New York. Like, we export those nationally and internationally. And so we just see, um, as we establish ourselves here, like, that, uh, you know, being able to export um, and to, to work in other states and other, like, um, places um, will become a lot easier once we've, you know, made it here in New York and, like, yeah. put ourselves on the map so we're really focused on New York and um, and building what this legal market will become. Um, and then after that, we we definitely do our see ourselves, um, you know, reaching out to those other communities. Um, and we we have friends in all these other cities that we would love to work with. And like, you know, it's just like it would work so well. And like we we know it's gonna happen. We see it. And then um, wait, I do want to add, like once again, back to sort of I guess the 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 queer one on one in current world is that. A lot of people come to <laughs> to New York to sort of, you know, work in the arts, work in whatever industry, and we meet them at, you know, whatever event, dinner, and these people sometimes stay, sometimes they move elsewhere, they move back home, uh, they start their own sort of ventures and whatnot. And what's beautiful is that I could say that I could go to most cities in the world and text a couple of friends and I have a community, a home base waiting for me. Mm -hmm. And I've tested this. I've gone to places without having ever visited. I spent so much time in the UK uh, just because, you know, people connected me. They're like, hey, this person is a photographer. You're a photographer. You both have very similar interests. You both like, say, history. You both are stoners. Hang out. And then I become friends with their friends and people usually surround themselves with, you know, their own kind of persona. Uh, most people usually like hang out. If you're hanging out with someone that's sweet, a lot of their friends will be sweet. If you hang out with someone that's an asshole, the friends are going to be assholes. So that's been really beautiful. Sort of meet the really sweet and talented queer folks. And then these people have, you know, their their sort of little hubs everywhere. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. I, I, and again, yeah. it just speaks to the 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 queer community about, you know, the past history and how it's developed into a very strong community that you guys are mm -hmm. coming from. And I I just think it's amazing. And, yeah. And, and then, then on the investment side of things. So yeah. we we're completely community funded. Um and um we we love that model and we love that approach. Um and so we actually are just wrapping up a friends and family round right now. Um and so um that that should close in like the next like two weeks um we expect and that will give us enough runway for um us to continue to grow in the new york market with the explicit goal of becoming profitable um and then after we become profitable then we kind of can control our own future and can control our own growth rate um and so we are you know we're always we're open to conversations um in terms of investment but like we it would really have to be the right fit. Like, I think what we're doing is, is very unique. It's very special. And honestly, like, not everyone understands it. You know, like not every people will see us and they will be like, oh, you're just like that queer brand. And that's like a small niche market. And like, you know, well, I don't know. I don't really get it. Like, I don't get the red. People aren't going to want to smoke a red day. Like, oh, like, what do you mean? You know, like there will be a lot of skepticism and like, that's fine. Like, good. Like, we do not speak to everyone. We are not everyone's cup of tea. Like, we... 
we are like we are who we are and like the people that get it they get it and they're going to like support it like full-heartedly and and that's who we were going to grow with you know that's the people that we want to work with yeah um, we're not yeah. trying to work that are um only profit driven you know like are only like thinking about what's the return um on this like without thinking about like what good could this do like that's not um that's not a match for us to be honest and like um we're very fortunate enough to have created something that like people have been able to buy into and has given us enough capital to um to drive towards this like profitability you know like um and to to be able to work in this like legal market and be able to build this like um business and you know that will be profitable in the next hopefully like six months like you know that's like something that we don't take for granted and we don't plan to and um you know as it's really easy i think to like there's a mindset of like you just need all the money in the world to be able to to survive and to to do it and um we don't come from like a scarcity mindset we come from a mindset of abundance and so whatever we have like is what we're going to work with um and we've been able to build this so far on like a shoestring you know what i mean and like there's no reason why like we need to um to give away ourselves to get something that um it's not going to be a match at the end of the day so that's where we're at that's where we're that's why honestly we're excited because um we found the supporters um and we found people to to believe in us and so um so yeah we're going to continue to grow up those people thanks guys that was really good and um i so support everything you're doing but anyway thank you so much for joining thanks for listening to today's show to check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.